Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Yo, welcome back to Chasing Poker Greatness. I'm your host, founder of EnhanceYourEdge.com, Brad Wilson, and today I have a very special episode in store for you. My guest is indisputably one of the greatest players to ever sit down at a poker table. He came onto the poker scene like a hurricane and swept away anyone and everyone in his path to being the number one ranked poker player in the world. And then, equally as abrupt, he decided to call it a day and retire, all before the age of 26. Today, I'm joined by Fedor Holtz. Fedor has absolutely dominated both live and online poker tournaments during his career. He's earned more than $40 million, taking down several multi-million dollar caches along the way. He has a WSOP bracelet and his results on WSOP.com show him with 12 caches, averaging almost $1 million per cache. Among those are a first place in the high roller for one drop, $111,111 buy-in for $4.9 million, and a second place finish in the big one for one drop, a $1 million buy-in for $6 million. He's ranked as number one on the all-time money list for Germany and eighth in the world. He was ranked as the number one poker player in the world in 2016, as well as being ranked number one in the world for online poker in 2014 and 2015. My conversation with Fedor covers what got him into the game, his unique perspectives on poker and life, what it was like to truly achieve poker greatness and reach the top, and finally, his surprising decision to leave the game. He'll let you in on the importance of physical tells in live poker and what you should be looking for, as well as why you should stop looking for cut-and-dry solutions and instead strive to build your poker strategy around logic. Oh, and you'll also learn Fedor's method to super-accelerate your learning and the amazing results he's achieved simply by connecting talented people to one another. By the time you finish listening to this podcast, you will undoubtedly be inspired to get to work on something you're passionate about, no matter what that might be. Thank you very much once again for listening. And now, this is Chasing Poker Greatness featuring Fedor Holtz. Fedor, my man, how are we doing? I'm doing amazing, actually. Really hyped. Just on life, just amazing all actually, the way around. Actually, yeah, there's it's it's interesting where I think you can make a decision on whether something costs you energy or brings you energy. And I feel that's becoming more and more a thing that I really want to focus on is to see everything as an opportunity and even things that suck or that feel bad in the moment, like it's everything I think is an opportunity to grow. So that's exciting. So how do you take a negative experience and have that negative experience give you energy? So there's, there's actually countless examples where, especially in direct comparison, 
it's um, so powerful where situations, let's say, there's, I mean, there's constant situations, right? Like if I look at my day, I could, and I write it, I, like I, I have a diary with me or I make mental notes. It's a hundred times a day. It's like someone in front of me is slow. You know, like there's this, you're in a rush and someone is blocking you. Like there's this little moment of like, oh damn, why is this guy blocking, you know? And to take this moment and realize like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to learn patience. And why am I so stressed by it? Why am I rushing? Like, yeah, okay, there's something I want to get to, but it's not going to go faster, right? It's not like I can... And then it's interesting because the when I make it a conscious process and then I go into it and I'm like, hey, wow, actually, I'm pissed right now, but I don't need to be pissed. I can just use this moment as a practice for yeah, patience and compassion is like, hey, okay, the, that person's handicapped and a bit slower and it's like just the way it is right now. Then suddenly, like I just see how I put a smile on and take this little thing as an opportunity and it's there's there's countless times of where you talk to someone and it triggers something and that person, you if you... Let's say I'm I'm being judgmental, so I dismiss whatever the person is saying. Is like, oh, that doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's not rational. To use that as an opportunity to say, like, why why do I believe that? What why am I so strong in my belief that I have a better understanding of whatever that topic is about, and why am I not practicing, like, maybe even being helpful and being open. First of all, being open to a new perspective. Because there's always something that I can learn from someone else thinking a different way. And on the other side, maybe even supporting the other person and sharing my own perspective. Like, hey, I can, this is how I see it. Is there something you can take from this to, like, for us to make this situation a better situation for both of us? And that's just one example. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the diary and, yeah. or a journal keeping, taking notes. So it's like, this is an, an active process of like, Oh, this guy's moving. Like you're driving in your car. This guy's moving very slow. You get out your journal. And you're like, this pisses me off. Like, and then is there like reflection after the fact? Um, is is that how it goes down? I think basically, I think there's countless of ways to do it. And the core of it for me is to bring awareness to the situation. So it's there's there's one thing of realize like. I think there's multiple ways of how people describe it, but it all starts with consciousness. It's around realizing. It's like, hey, wow, I feel this in this way. And first, it's only kind of internally You're like, oh, okay, I'm pissed. It's like, okay. The step before is just like being pissed. And, and then I think out of this, a lot of things develop. Because I also think once you become aware of it, there's something internally, like some type of compass, something like it's your value system, like, where your internal compass is telling you that there's a there's a um, there's a gap, there's a gap between your compass and what you feel, right? So you observe anger and you feel like, oh, okay, I don't really need this. Like this is not this is not serving me. This is not useful. And once you've established that, then I think um, the next step for me is to go into okay, what can I do about it? Like how do I want it to be? Is this if it's not serving me? Like how sh- you know how do I want it to be? And that kind of kicks off this process of with some things I write it down because it's it's deep topics. It's like something that I want to sit with, something that sometimes I write down smaller things, but 
like actually the most fun thing, for example, for me is to just do it on the fly. As I experience something, I reflect it right there, right now. And I'm like, huh. I'm, and it's always, it brings a smile on my face because I'm laughing around what, you know, it's kind of funny that I feel it then immediately after I'm like, oh, okay, I just felt this way. And I'm like, how do I want to feel it? And it just happens in like five seconds and it makes me laugh. And I would assume that this is a, the culmination of a process over time, lots of practice, um, having this awareness. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm of the opinion that at the end of the day, all we are is awareness just as people, we are, we are consciousness. We are awareness. That's all we are. And I'm not going to go down that path. Okay. <laughs> because like, you know, we, you, you said like, this makes me mad. Right. So like yeah. the, the next question at, for me is always like, what is me? Like, yeah. what is me? And then it, then it just spirals from there. And, and like, at the end of the day, I think we are pure awareness. That's what we are. And when you accept that and learn that, oh, I, I'm getting angry just having the awareness to notice the anger. And then sometimes like, you know, you mentioned anger doesn't have to be a negative feeling. I think anger can be a positive thing in some situations as far as like adrenaline energy, all these things. But anyway, okay. In your journey to be great, I know that you've talked about lacking a purpose, especially early on. And I want to focus on your why as um, a linear progression throughout your journey as a poker player. Like in the beginning, when you were struggling, what was your why? I believe that it is actually very simple and extremely difficult at the same time where we make it very difficult. Well, there's something, I, I believe there's something inside inside us that constantly gives us feedback, right? And um, to tap into that, that to me is purpose. So to understand that natural gravitation really clearly is, okay, where do I feel naturally drawn to? And so then the real challenge then starts where all the distractions and the noise comes in. What so there's the something noise? that... What, like, yeah, I mean, there's basically, it's about it's about um, all the experiences that you've made in the past, your current environment, um, with every construct that that exists in your mind and around you, is basically like money, capitalism, fame, reputation, status, like everything that that we've built of like, okay, this is a guideline of how things should work, but there's also something inside us that is not that it's like some somewhat different right like because we realize sometimes it's like hey i don't agree with that like i'm give I me have, some examples let's, let's get tan, oh, tan, tangible here yeah tangible is very very easy is money let's take the example of money everyone deals with money and there's a lot of things where it makes sense to quantify value right like that that's the that was the path of like okay we have certain things um, it's very abstract. It's really hard to quantify. Let's like create a system where we quantify productivity and um, to then be able to trade productivity. Now, the thing is, um, the, the question is, okay, how this quantification is trying to quantify something that is extremely complex and way beyond of our, our capacity to understand, right? Because productivity means creation and um, our like it's it's to me it's very obvious that we're not capable of perfectly 
um, quantifying whatever we create because it also includes all consequences of what we create. So I'm not capable of describing how much worth I'm creating. Like it's, it's just not possible. Because so, we, don't, we don't know everybody's story and how what we create affects them, it, right? Exactly. So, so you create something and you can't say if it's good or bad. Like you can only guess. And this, this idea that we put money in not as a good guess, we put it in as the final answer. And that to me is, for example, that's one of the problems that I have with a lot of existing systems is something inside me tells me, okay, there's certain ways where it makes, I totally understand why it's been put in place. It makes a lot of processes easier, especially in the short term, because now I can clearly, I'm like, okay, there's this, we set these rules, there's this high score, like there's this, this currency that is like a clear, like there's markets, um, but they're all based on like a pretty poor quantification of whatever productivity is. And so now my thing is, um, let's look at how it plays out is like, okay, air has no finance or like almost no financial value. And so I'm like, okay, I, I see a clear issue with that because I think air is very valuable. So now something inside me, like, and that's basically what's happening is people are screaming worldwide because they're like, Hey, we like the trees. And so that's where the clash comes in of our in, in internal value system and the evaluation system that we've built. And the main problem that I see is the evaluation system that we've built like money um, and lots of others, the, they were or they are a really good estimation of all the knowledge we had at a certain point in time. So people at that time came up with the best possible solution they could come up with and they were, it's very smart solution, but we get smarter and we learn more and we understand things based on experience of like where it fits, where it doesn't fit. The main problem that system doesn't have, it's not iterative enough. Right. So you can't say it's like, okay, guys, we've realized um, this has. So like now we try to we try to adapt, but the iterative process of the system is not as fast as our like increasing consciousness. At least, at least that's my observation. So I'm seeing, okay, we we're getting way more conscious of of how things connect and consequences and how like how this system plays out in the long run. And we're not able to implement these learnings into the system itself. And so the system is lacking behind. And to go back to your question, purpose to me is that exactly this internal evaluation system. It's like there's something internally that makes us gravitate towards something. And I don't think it needs to be something special. I think sometimes or a lot of times, it's just important to listen to that and cut the noise. Like to not get distracted by what the like what money is is telling you because what i've realized that's that was exactly the clash and i'm talking long time for for this point but i'm really passionate about it is what i've realized is there there are things where this will overlap because there are certainly situations where i do what i love to do and i will make money with it but it's not certain that if i focus on money i will do what i love to do oftentimes if i only focus on maximizing money i will most likely not do what i love to do Hundred percent. There are so many things that this is applicable to, and for one thing, like doing good, uh, serving other people. Um, you know, Doug Doug Polk actually said said this very well that that the people that do good in the poker community um, they don't typically last, right? Because they don't make a ton of money, um, and, and so like 
helping homeless people, going, volunteering at, at a homeless shelter. Like this, this has no monetary reward, right? But there's obvious value in it. So what is like a better system? Like what is, what is you know, and like air quality, right? Like our, our earth. I mean, it's fairly obvious to, to me that we destroy the earth it doesn't matter how much money there is. Like it's valueless, right? So the obvious value is in saving and preserving the earth. Um, so like, what, what do you think is a better system? And I think that's where the crux is. Every, I, think, I think the expectation a lot of times is to be able, like that we're only able to change something if we have a better solution. And that's, that's where I'm a very strong advocate of saying, it's not about having an immediately better system. Actually, in most cases, when you have when you make drastic changes to a system, short term, like you see that in almost everything, short term, it's it's concerning. It's actually distressing. Painful. Yeah. Like you go out of a relationship. Sometimes in the short term, it's very very painful, and then <laughs> later on, you realize over a longer period of time that it actually might be very helpful. Like. We'll, we'll call it getting kicked out of a relationship. <laughs> that's, that's when it's painful. <laughs> yeah, but it, it can go, yeah, it can be either way um, where you're missing something, right? And, and hold, like, especially when, when I, my point is when you've realized that there's potential, when you realize that there are certain areas that we clearly established that there's room, potential for growth and for improvement, it's not so much about the choice of saying, okay, we need a better system. And we, if we don't have a better system in place immediately, we don't change. For me, it's about saying, okay, great. We've realized that potential. Let's put in the energy to find a better system. And that is the part where there's a lot of people who are not interested in finding a better system because the, they believe that the system we have right now is serving them pretty well. And that to me is the that that to me is a very short term perspective, but that I believe is one of the biggest things that keeps system in place. It's it's sort of the the like the giant innovators paradox where the people that that can change are the ones they're being served very well by the system in place. So why what's their incentive, right? It's, it's an incentive game. Yeah, and I think that's where consciousness comes into play. Is the more you're aware of the consequences and the longer time scale, I believe the more you, or like also other people and like a, just a bigger scope, I believe the more you adapt to that. And I think that's what you kind of see is where people who are, who've made some very intense experiences or reached a certain amount of consciousness, they start actually doing exactly that. When people talk about, universal basic income or like donate 99% of their net worth after like there's or like um, donate a lot of their their income like I think mm, you can see that movement happening where people start changing the system from within using the resources to try to adapt it in a way that suits their understanding of of an improved system better um, and, and I think it's really important, like for me, it's really important to put more energy into exactly these type of processes. Okay. So let's talk about your energy then. What, what is, what is putting more energy into this? What does this look like? Um, so first of all, for me, it's really around just my, like me personally. So I, I believe if, if 
what I've just been talking about, like what you asked around purpose, like I, I think everything boils down to consciousness. So what do you perceive, basically? And I think there's, like I, I always try to go from first principles. So what are things that I believe I can establish for myself that I, that I go from? And there's a couple of things that come to my mind where, for example, one of my first principles is like, I believe people are, like humans are good. It's, it sounds very simple, but um, in a lot of times, that's the point where whenever I, I think exactly the situation we had before, I, if I'm angry at someone or like I think someone wants to hurt me or someone you know, like is, is trying to take advantage of me, I always try to go back to that principle and say, like, no, I believe he's good. What, what are the reasons? Like, and then I try to understand what are the reasons I feel the way I feel and what are the reasons he behaves the way he behaves to then progress, to grow, like to understand why he behaves the way. Like I, for example, I don't believe that people kill for the sake of kill. Like I don't believe there's bad people. I just think like if I, if I look at it and I see um, my mother works in the social sector and like I see a lot of the people and like I've experienced a lot of it and I know a lot from her and it's like, a lot of the people in in troubled situations, they have a lifelong like they've only made experiences in that direction. Like they've been they've been beaten. Like their parents drank a lot. Like it's it's real. Like it's 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 severe. Like it's really intense, you know. And I don't believe that if we would have been in a similar situation that we just because we were born the way we are, like that we would be totally different. I think you're very very strongly. Uh, influenced by your environment. And so my point is that, for example, to, to build these kind of first principles to then constantly reflect upon them to um, just constantly develop. And I believe that it's very helpful to have, to, to build kind of your own inner, yeah, to, to build your own inner direction. Because I've realized that there were a lot of frameworks and that's another principle is like, I, I believe I know nothing, kind of, like at least, in that direction of I I've used to be very judgmental or, or I used to be way more judgmental and way more biased because I just believe that I, I know things in a lot What's of an areas. example. What's an example of you being in judgmental? Poker. Like it's poker. basically, yeah, I mean, of course I'm, you know, if I'm number one poker player and like people come to me or like even before it's like someone uh, shares his perspective and I'm dismissing it because I believe like I understand it better and that he doesn't get it. And there's lots of lots of situations, like countless situations where this I'm I'm thinking in the direction of success. And so because I was more successful, um, like that kind of ranks the the relevance of someone's opinion on a certain topic. And to kind of remove that of like I'm just a blip, like a super, super small like perspective on something. And yes, potentially I have a better like I have a better understanding of this really small window of the topic poker but that's not everything in life and like if i talk to that person i can learn so much more on lots of different levels but also i can learn something in poker because just understanding how he thinks helps me being a better player simple as that because i play against people like that all the time exactly so it's again turning this around in a sense of everything is an opportunity to learn and to grow um which it just sped up my life by so much because these things that I that I'm not looking at or not using as up like it's basically just now life is the same, but 
instead of having one or two opportunities a day, now I have a hundred just only because I opened to like, okay, maybe I can learn from this. And it's also a much better way to create relationships too. When you For sure. listen and, and engage with people instead of just dismissing them. So the transition, like, you know, you were number one poker player in the world and then you transitioned to not playing cards so much. Why did you leave the poker world? That That is really an interesting topic, which especially in the last couple of months, I've thought a lot about. And it's um, if I would describe my experience, it's basically, and it ties very nicely in with purpose. So I always used to love learning. If I think about moments of pure joy or fulfillment or flow, it was learning like i can literally like think back of right now it was playing chess it was playing computer games like when we played championships it was learning or playing poker at times it was um just just learning new things or solving problems specifically and i just loved the way how it really made like also playing soccer was also a thing so it was this thing of i just felt my whole being was was um busy kind of i was really in this moment doing this one thing and and the interesting part is that in poker i've really really loved that part and i've i always did in different occasions but then more things came in right so then it clashes with a lot of different ideas and things in life that i believe are important because of what i've learned or experienced like what and so yeah, so basically, I'm like now making money, right? So now I have this skill, and I've done the thing that I really like, which was learning. And like, I I just I, I remember in 2013 and 14, I just loved it. Like every day, I just loved getting in, like waking up. I dreamt of poker. I woke up. I started like I talked to like everyone I talked to was poker only and just hand histories. And I was online and forums and discussing. Like I like I was breathing poker. And it was mostly because of this learning part. I was just like, hey, I want to I get better. And I could build my own framework of how to get better. And so now something comes in of, okay, I believe now that I've learned that making money is really important. And so now I have to twist it in a way to make as much money as possible. And so I did that. And then it's like, okay, now what are tools that I can use? So I learned the tools and like, I kind of see it as a game, but I realize the more I do that, the more I'm losing the part that I actually internally really, really appreciate and like. So now I'm changing this into a machine, like a process of how I can make lots of money, which then is like, okay, 2015, I'm realizing like, Hey, actually I'm doing less and less of the learning part that I really like. And I'm just flying from place to place and grinding it out. And there's certain things that I really like around being in new environments. But after fifth time Macau, 10th time Vegas, like eighth time Monte Carlo, whatever. It's like, hmm, okay, actually, I'm not really learning anything new. It's just grinding out my skill that I have. And that was really the part where I think emotionally, if I would have only listened to, to me internally, I would have probably skip, like quit poker after three years. Like I would have quit like right before being like really successful. And I think I would have been internally quite happy with it. But there was some, like the, the external, like the, the value system I grew up in and, and um, that I've experienced around me really drove me to 
to go like way further. And it, it's this internal thing of I wanted to prove someone and get appreciation that maybe I didn't get as a child as much as I wanted to. And it was just like, okay, I like this goal, 1 million, then two, then like three, then five. Then like, it was just literally, okay, like just, you know, always higher. And then I've realized at a certain point after I just couldn't set a goal anymore, I'm like, what's left? And then I sat down and I was, I remember this moment, like I will never forget. It was, everything was dark, lights were out and I went home and I just crashed. I was, what am I doing? I'm investing so much energy into something that will never lead to the outcome that I'm internally looking for. Like trying to please my environment will never lead to me being happy with myself. And that realization kicked in. And after that, I was like, just kind of taking balance of looking at my life and looking at all the different parts and looking at, okay, what of this really gets me closer to that? And then 10% were left and the rest was free time because I was poker in that way won't lead there. Um, it was amazing. It was a great learning experience. I took a lot of things out of it. Um, but the process that I've reached at that point wasn't really making me happy anymore. And so I moved on. And what else is there besides our own happiness in our pursuits? I mean, like it's it, like, again, it's, it's something that sounds so simple, but like from a pressure standpoint, I could imagine that you had probably more pressure than anybody to continue playing just because of the financial incentive. Right. Yeah. So closing up shop was, you know, a, a monumental, big, big, big decision. Um, were you, were you scared? Yeah. Were you scared taking the next step? What did that look like? I think the thing that internally really helps me is I think I feel more pain than others in terms of it pains me more to continue doing a thing that I've realized I don't want to do. I, I, and I see that, and that's not, I don't mean that in a always positive thing. It is like, it's just when I, what does it it feel like? What is, what is the internal struggle, that dialogue? Like, what is, what does it look like? It's literally like, I mean, I remember that so like countless times in my life. Uh, where I've established that, where, for example, I start playing the piano or like I start, I start a project, I start learning something, I start enrolling in university, I start, like there's like countless times, I can literally like so many times and I come in with the mindset, I, I remember that every single time, the mindset around me was to finish things. It was, you're only good at something if you've, you know, if you set a certain direction or goal or whatever and you finish it. That's the only, like, finished is success, not finished is not success. And that was so against my internal feeling where for me it was like, hey, I try something out and if I like it, I continue. And if I don't like it, I don't. And then it's, it's clashing, right? Like, then I, then I go. Then you then feel I'm, like a failure. All the time. It was literally, it was a constant thing of I'm failing again. I try something again and I'm not good. In, and, and that's now where the difference comes in. With a lot of people around me, I feel like they had less pain just doing it. You know, it's, you realize it's not really what you want to do, but you just do it anyway. Um, they just, you know, they, they don't like whatever, taking piano lessons, but they take like 40 lessons anyway and they just do it so their parents shut up. 
But me, it was, I was, I was in a barricades. I was like, I was not doing it. You could not get me. <laughs> Just locked um, down. So, I mean, th- there's examples where I was really good in chess. Like I started playing chess and then I went on playing German championships and I got really good. And like I was nine or around nine and 10. And, and then basically the expectation was like, okay, you know, now just grind it, <laughs> like get there and there and there. And after one and a half years, I realized like, Hey, I'm, I don't really want to do it this way. Like I just love, I just love playing it. I, I loved going, playing with people and apparently I was good, but the moment I was good, it, it started getting this expect, like this huge expectation around, okay, now you have to um, make something out of this talent kind of. And I didn't, I just did, wanted to play. And I think that's also a similar process that happened in poker or in almost any other process that I've experienced. And you feel it as poker players. Like I've been playing cards as a professional for 15 years and you do, the the pain is tangible at a certain point to where you have this existential thoughts of why am I doing this? Like I, I don't enjoy doing this money, money becomes the motivator. And for, for a very long time, because of the solitary nature of my specific journey, I thought I was alone. I thought I, I'm weak. I'm weak for feeling this way because no, none of my other friends feel this way. Nobody else feels this way. Nobody talks about it, right? And then in doing this show, actually, over the last few months, just talking to other players, every fucking one of them goes through this existential crisis as a poker player. And, and I just want to point out how important this is for the audience to know, like, you have your goal, right? You're, you're chasing poker greatness. You're trying to be the best that you can. But these feelings are going to arise, and they don't make you lesser. They make you human. It's part of the process. And so one thing I would like to ask you about is in this process of knowing like one day this may cause me pain. The the purpose behind the game has maybe gone away to where I I don't love it. I'm not in love with it like I, I used to be. What can you do in the meantime to protect yourself in this transition, right? Because I, I would say you financially did very well. That it, it puts you in a position, sets you up to, you know, you can fucking start a, a thousand things the rest of your life and never finish them <laughs> and be super happy, right? Some people out there, you know, they have people that depend on them. Um, poker is, you know, like a sole source of income. What what can they do to, to insulate themselves against this feeling that they must continue on. I mean, that's the, that's the, the biggest conversation, right? Like I'm saying this and then the, the first internal question comes up or, or statement is, yeah, he can say that because now he's in the situation that he has a lot of money, a lot of freedom, a lot of opportunities. Um, there's no one depending on him. I think that it's a very valid internal dialogue that mostly comes out of the fear of insecurity. And, I do, and I'm not saying that in a, in a dismissing way. I'm saying that in a way of I felt it too countless of times where at least for me, it was this feeling of if I go down this path, it means a lot of uncertainty. It means like I don't like if I now follow what I feel like I wanted to do, how do I do things? 
if I if you feel like there's nothing that you I mean that was basically how I started with poker. I just felt like I want to do it. Right. Which and, is how a lot of people start start their journey. And and, and uh, I'm not you know, I'm not minimizing like the, the pain of of quitting poker for you. Yeah. I'm I'm mostly, you know, there are people that are in the middle of their journey that are in the honey, honeymoon phase, right? Where yeah. they are obsessed. They talk about, I'm going to play poker for 50 years straight. I'm never going to get bored of it. But the reality is that this is most likely not going to be the case. And most people don't have the foresight to plan for this eventuality. It just happens. And then they realize, oh my God, I don't love doing this. And it's what I'm most qualified to do in the world. But I, I think that statement is the thing to tackle. Okay. So that's that's what I meant. What where I was trying to go like get at is if you're constantly asking yourself that internal question of, hey, what do I really love doing? What are the things I really enjoy? I be, really believe that if you focus on these things and if you really dismiss all the noise and, and all the things around and and go in that uncertainty and also the the struggle, then I believe that you build something in that is really long-term sustainable and also long-term is going to make you happy. And, and that's what I, that's what I really believe. Also what I see with people is it's, it doesn't have to be something that is, that wins in all the systems that we have. It's just something that has to be relevant to you. So, and that's really, that's really, it's so simple things. Sometimes it's around, I love playing soccer. It's the thing or, or football. It's the thing that I've always loved since I was whatever, small. And it's this, it's this internal conflict of following that thing of really just being free to do it in the way I want to do it where I don't know how often I've canceled soccer for something that I thought I have to do. Like a dinner that I should go to or like a trip that I should be doing. Whereas the thing that I actually want to do was like just play soccer. Sure. And it's, it's interesting where then later on I'm asking myself, why did I just, you know, cancel? Like I would have left as like, hey, now I don't want to go to your dinner. I prefer to play. It. I just <laughs> didn't say it. Yeah. And, and it's just one example of where I think oftentimes we, we sabotage ourselves because we believe that we should be doing something. Um, whereas in actuality, we have the, the answer there already. It's kind of like we, we know what we would prefer to do, but we struggle to stick to what we would like to do because it, it, it means some conflict, right? It means um, defining yourself and like maybe also regarding others to say like, Hey, I prefer, like, this is the thing I love to do. I prefer that over going to cinema with you or like to, you know, and it's really, I like to spend time with you. We can do something else, but I would prefer, um, like, this is one of the things I like the most. I would re- like, I, I'm, I prefer to, to go to, to soccer training. And it's, it's this, this simple thing where I think the more we deal with this, the more we go into these internal and external conflicts of figuring out what we really enjoy doing, and the more we build our environment that way, a very simple life can be very fulfilling. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I love that, that approach. Is, it's like uh, Joseph Campbell, you know, it's finding your bliss. It's finding your bliss and then pursuing it. And I, I think that I don't, I don't want to imply um, incorrectly, but what you're saying is find your bliss in another avenue um, if poker becomes painful and pursue it 
with with passion, even if you even if it means you are making you know barely sort of scraping by financially or whatever that means. Just you know find find your own version of happiness and pers- pursue that with vigor. And and one thing that I believe is at the core of this process is seeing exploration as something great. That is really to me the number one thing that I would that I would um, love to bring more of into our education system is that there is that that exploration is being um, in or like empowered and and supported of. You want to try out 10 different things? Great. Like try to find what you really like, try out different things, take your time. Don't put like the thing, my, the message I've got was every single time was you have to know, you, you have to know right away. Like try out one thing. Okay. But try out a second, like, oh, you failed one. Like, damn, now you're almost a failure for life. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here now and now I'm 26. And if I think back to, to 18 19 the pressure i made myself of having to figure out already what like what i do for the next 40 years it's like it makes no sense it's just i've seen nothing i know like even now i've seen nothing compared to what you can see and even now i wouldn't like now i'm so cautious to to commit myself for the next five years like i and it's not because i'm I don't want to. It's more because I feel that there's like I probably still have seventy plus years ahead of me. That's massive. So I think exploration is such an important um, thing. Where don't feel bad being in that state of exploring. It's amazing if you have a half a year, a year, two years, even on the side. Like if you work exploring new things, it's the most valuable thing in my opinion that you can do because it gets you closer to exactly establishing this type of environment um that fulfills you and the thing is you 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 explore something and it sucks you hate it it makes you unhappy well you just you just quit right like you you found something that doesn't make you happy and i love that you, you have this fear of committing yourself to something five years down the road because like just you know i'm 35 so i got a decade on you and the 25 version 25 year old version of myself i have like it's a different human being like we we change so frequently that what makes you super happy and super pumped and super motivated today may not make you feel that way in 5 years so constantly the exploration process um and iterating and changing like that's that's genius to me that's that's uh it seems like a very healthy way to go through life I think it's important to to see that that's fine, like that it's right. totally fine to. It's um, I think in that regard we have very high expectations, and put a lot of pressure on something that we just we just don't know. We just have to figure out. It, it's societal pressure too. It's parental um, from friends. It, it, it just hits you from all angles, right? And then you know you have marketing the the. The markers of success, uh, a nice house and a nice car and a steady income and all of these things. And you think, oh, well, you know, you're always looking up and trying, trying to get these things um, that you think might make you happy. Um, and, and I think that one of the biggest crimes in life is when you get that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow 
and you realize I'm 65 years old and this doesn't make me happy. Like that you're, you're searching for something that, that didn't bring you ful- the fulfillment you expected and you weren't fulfilled in the process the whole way through. Like, I, I think that's, you know, it's a very sad story for human beings. So just removing or minimizing the outside influences, the noise, focusing on the fulfillment and the journey and trying things out. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's a way to be. I think that's a recipe for a happier, more fulfilled life. What is up, my loyal Chasing Poker Greatness listener? Coach Brad here, and I just wanted to take a moment to ask you a simple question. How many times have you heard my guests and I speak passionately about the benefits of poker coaching? You get to expand your poker network, receive expert feedback you can rely on, and have your burning questions answered by a trusted mentor. Which brings me to the Poker Power Hour, a series of 100% free live one-hour poker webinars, masterclasses, and hand history breakdowns that kick off each and every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Poker Power Hour will be led by me, Coach Brad, as well as some of your favorite Chasing Poker Greatness guests. It will be your weekly guide for helping you plug your leaks, skyrocket your poker growth, expand your network of crushers, and inevitably win more money on the green felt. The Poker Power Hour is premium content and live only. There will be no free replays or view on demand, and the content will eventually be released as paid training only. So head to EnhanceYourEdge.com, opt in to the Poker Power Hour, and get for free today what you'll have to pay for it later. Once again, to catch the Poker Power Hour every single week, head to EnhanceYourEdge.com and join the email newsletter. Now, back to the show. I am supposed to talk about poker, even though this is my podcast and I can talk about whatever I want. Um, I am supposed to talk about poker at some point in here. So We talk about poker all the time. That's true. We do. And, oh, it's, I mean, this is tying, I think this ties in. Oh, it I, does. I really believe, it, I really believe this is uh, very, a very important uh, conversation also for, for the topic of poker because it, it's, it's exactly tackling certain topics that I think should be tackled more in whatever area it is. is to just Also in poker, there's a lot of pressure um, from, from all sides, like around expectations as well and um, responsibilities that we feel. And I think it's, it's super valuable to go deeper into that and just like ask ourselves the question of um, how are we feeling right now? And is that still the thing we want to do? And also it's totally fine to, to not try to be the best. It's totally fine to do it for fun. It's totally fine to um, move on and do something else. And it's fine if you don't feel like that's the thing anymore, that the same way you thought it might be like five years ago. And it's important, I think, to, to talk about that for sure because it, poker can be a trap you know you can you can there are people in, in the middle of their journey that have you know they have a day job they play poker as a hobby they love it they want to be professional right and, and then what does that mean and then what's the end game after that I, I think that always thinking about happiness fulfillment um is just a, of paramount importance no matter where you're at so segueing a little into some like actual poker like 
strat- yeah. strategy. So like uh, it's very specific. One thing that in listening to your interviews and, and doing research that I love is the importance that you place on physical tells. Can you tell me about, you know, number one is why did you decide to spend so much energy on physical tells, especially because I think in a lot of the poker community, they, they get a bad rap, but like as a live player that started his career playing live, physical tells were something that I spent a ton of energy on from the very, very, very beginning because I, I recognized the usefulness of them. So like, why did you spend so much time on understanding people's human behavior? It's pretty simple because I always, first of all, it's intriguing me. Um, second of all, it was just very valuable. And it was, it was seemingly valuable. So that was very naturally the thing to look into. So, um, I mean, I started playing 500 or like 100 euro tournaments and like the th- probably the ones I played a lot were somewhere between 500 and 5k. And so basically the people I play against, 80, 90% of them have never or almost never thought around structuring their physical behavior. So it's very natural, right? And so now I think if it's very natural, I believe that it's very, very, it's just logical that it's very helpful to try to understand what natural behavior means in different situations. And especially if the tells become stronger, the more is at stake. Because mostly if if more is at stake, that really strongly correlates to the intensity of tells. The pressure, right. That Exactly. So that also means if there's more at stake, there's more to win if you do it well. And so that's that was always like that was the reason, but pretty simple why I've spent so much time with it. What did the process and, look like understanding human behavior? So it's trial and error. Basically, just again, step number one is just observing. Is basically trying to be as conscious around what is happening as possible without spending too much energy on it that's like kind of a fine balance because it's also i've also always been an opponent of trying to be 110 percent at every point in time because i'm also i also try to look at it from a long-term perspective and it's tiring grinding is tiring so i've tried to find a good balance of being able to play long hours with picking up the it's, it's basically i think the most important thing in big pools of information, so difficult games like poker or or other big areas, is dissecting the relevant from the irrelevant. And it's the same with tells. So I try not to pick up every little detail, but I try to be aware for if something pops up that I believe is relevant. So I looked at every bigger pot. I try to look at the people that I play a lot against, because if I play a lot against them, then obviously more relevant i try to look way more if i was deep in a tournament is this through like film study or personal some observation film. some was film but I, especially when i started playing the high rollers i watched probably almost everything there is on the players i played against but in the other ones it was mostly live so especially like wsop is a great example eps like 
I was just constantly trying to categorize the players that I play against to get a good feeling. And I think that's the, the thing that I've always done well is to create... It's about creating logics that are not too complicated so that they're useless, but also not too simple so that they're useless. Um, <laughs> right. The, the perfect level that, of complexity. That's basically exactly what it is because you don't want to have... Like, if you structure a logic in a program, it's basically, if this, then that. And if he blinks 15 times a minute, like, that means he's this. And if he blinks 25, that means this. Right. It's mostly not that simple. So it's also not 50 of these rules. And then it's like maybe three. And to to that's kind of what I intuitively did is to structure these things of, what am I looking for? And then it basically boiled down to eyes, skin, pulse, and posture. And then obviously other tales more game-related around sizing. Um, timing. Timing. And then there's some more specific things for special players. <laughs> right. Shoutouts yeah. to Ike Hexen. Um, <laughs> So like there, there's one thing, for example, where there's certain players where you can see when they think. And it's, I, I think, especially players that I played hundreds of hours against, um, it's extremely relevant to see how much they think and how hard they think. Because, it, go, go into the, the, the reasoning why. So, so basically, I make a very practical example. You, most of the good high-stakes players... They take they take a certain amount of time for a situation to balance their range. So they're on the flop. They always take at least five seconds. If you have a range in a certain situation, and there are going to be about seventy eighty percent of your hands that you have in the spot where you know exactly what you're going to do. It's either a snap call or like a snap bet. Um, a snap call, snap check, like you just know. And then there's somewhere between 10 and 50% of your hands where you have to think because there are mixed frequencies um, or they're borderline hands. So now the thing is, if you can differentiate, if someone is waiting and knows what he's doing or if someone is thinking, that changes the hand. Exactly. So if someone is preflop and you see that he knows what he's doing versus you see he's thinking that is massive information. Yep. And the same thing happens online over the course of playing cards. You see like, you know, I raise under the gun and then the small blind or the button insta three bets, right? At a six max table an insta three bet means something different than a tank for six or seven seconds. And then a three bet. An instant three bet in my in my experience has meant they know they're three betting. It, it's it's more value oriented hand. And then a think is like, hmm, let's look at the HUD, let's analyze the data. Okay, now should I be three betting this guy? Should I not? Like, and so you, you get a good feel just based on one pre flop decision as to the kind of range that that this guy's three betting you with. The the slight difference though is their timing. Like you're referring to timing tells basically of like, sure. okay, if they do it fast, if they do right. slow. But I really mean the like timing physical, is the same. Oh, the time. Exactly. It's they're, like they're, you can literally see 
how they how <laughs> yeah. their brain works. You can see the the gears turning. Yeah. Because people, this is something like in high school. I, I never realized this, but my sister, her friends would ask, "Why is your brother so?" angry all the time like i pass him in the hall why does he look so angry right and it took me until i was probably like 30 years old to realize that when i'm thinking i look angry like this is how people interpret so like i was just thinking like i was always just deep in thought right but like you know you can tell when people are really 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 thinking and now apparently Ike Haxton will know. <laughs> you have to act like you're thinking all the time, Ike. Um, it, it was interesting because like for, for some reason, um, I mean, you see it with lots of players, but um, I just remember a couple of hands where um, I believe there was a lot of value for some time in that. And um, yeah, it was just it was just interesting how certain players, there were some things, especially against the ones I played a lot, where especially in like 215, 216, there was a lot of value in really understanding what their thought process is, what triggers them, what what's important to them and, and how they think. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, especially like when you're playing these these giant high rollers and with a shallow pool of players you're interacting with just over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, so when you think of joy in your poker career, uh-huh. what's the first memory that comes to mind? The most emotional I ever felt in poker was actually when um, my friend David won the W Coupe in 2013, and it was ju- I, I just remember because something I felt like I wasn't able to think anymore for a long time, and I don't remember ever having that again. My brain was just I was I was hyper awake, I was full of endorphins endorphins. But I could only internally just scream and be happy. And um, I will never forget this moment. And yeah, it was just really exciting. But there's been multiple ones, especially it's kind of been like a, like a ladder of moments where always the biggest win at the time was just, it was just crazy emotions. It was this this feeling of, Thing, like because especially when it's so tense for a long time and then it just all releases in this one moment and it was stronger in the beginning actually oh I, it, yeah like the first 100k i won when i won super tuesday or when i won sunday 500 after a long grind and i remember like this was this was crazy i was sitting there and the next like the next days it was just you know i was just crazy because so, part of part of the poker mythology, right, is is slowly turning yourself into an emotionless robot. So, like, yeah. it, it makes so much sense that in the beginning, when you have a big score, the, this is where the emotions are going to be the highest, right? And I love that the first memory that comes to your mind it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with your friend. It had to do with me. <laughs> oh, it ha- oh, oh! So you, you had, you, you had. Uh, I had a big piece. Big so piece, right? <laughs> okay, okay. But that changes the narrative just a little. Yeah, I mean, I I think obviously I was really happy for him, but obviously the financial part played a big role because it, that was when I became a millionaire. And oh wow, it was just it was just flashing because like six, I don't even know, like seven months ago maybe I was I had like ten k to my name or something. So it was a crazy 
just I wasn't I wasn't used to it. Let's say it like that. And it was this crazy. I can't believe what's happening right now. Feeling. Yeah. All right. So that now now the pieces tie in. You're not just like the best friend in the world. Okay. Oh. Nope. <laughs> when you when you think of pain in your poker career, what's the mm-hmm. first memory that comes to mind? I think the part where I can't tie it to like a specific memory, but the part where I felt alone in the sense of around like 2015, probably where I believe I was one of the best in the world, both online and live. And I was just losing for an extended period of time, maybe nine, 10, 11 months. And everyone around me thought I was winning. And I felt, especially after the year before, like, I mean, 214, I won W Coupe Main and like I had decent scores, but financially I was actually probably be like, I don't remember exactly, but like I didn't really make much profit in the last 18 months. And I think I was at my absolute peak. And this is interesting in, in comparison because I just felt like I couldn't share it with anyone. I felt like the expectation was, even of my friends, was you can never complain again or in terms of you can never talk about negative feelings again also. It's not about complaining. It was just about like, hey, I, I don't feel well. Like I, It just doesn't feel good. And this feeling of I cannot share that with anyone, even in my closest circle, because there's no understanding. That was probably the most, I would say, painful or negative uh, emotions I've had in poker. Yeah, that was that was probably the time I connect the most negative stuff with. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. I, I can I can imagine the I, like I, I mean I, I can see the trap. I can see all the things right. Like you, you know, who am I to complain when I've had so many things go right for me and all my friends are looking up to me and I'm you know it's uh, but yet you still feel the emotions and you still feel the pain yeah. and you you had no outlet. If you could erect a billboard that every poker player has to drive past, what does the billboard say? The first thing that came to mind was really just just do what you love. And it's very, it kind of sounds very cliche, but I really, really believe in it because I could see how much it changed my life in terms of also simplicity. I mean, I see it now, how many things I'm doing and meeting a lot of people and working on a lot of projects. And basically the realization of the last year has just been like this. I'm trying to build an identity to again, like just finally be whole where the simple things are really the things that, that matter. And I, I can tell that whenever I strip everything apart is when I, when I, I just did it and went to Bali for 10 days and just like went with the closest people I could think of and, um, just spend time in nature and it's only a simple experiment but I, I realize again like hey I I really don't need a lot of this stuff I just need very healthy relationships that fulfill me I like to spend time with myself I like to yeah just reflect on experiences I made and I don't need a lot of the things that I believe I need whether you get told or program that you need to yeah, and so that's that's really kind of the 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 core message I believe is to really focus on exactly that, like the the relationships around you, to just really enjoy what you're doing, and to also 
um, be totally fine that you haven't figured everything out. I think that's also something like this. I have this constant feeling that I just have every that I need to have everything figured out, and that it's like totally okay to not have it figured out. And that also like also for me, like I I get a lot of the external feedback of hey you have you know you have a lot of money like have this and this and this going for you. Have, like it's not you know everyone is kind of in the same boat, like just different. And I think it's important to, to make space for that also. Like there, I kind of, I just keep myself busy to not deal with certain things and like to just strip that apart and just say like, Hey, no, these are the essential things that I really care about. Everything else is just a distraction and noise. And like, the more I do that, the happier I am. I think human beings can make things very complex and get away from the simple things that give them joy and pleasure in their life. And finding finding the why, tying it all back into purpose from the very beginning of the conversation. Why are you doing something? What do you love? What is your purpose? And trying to be aware aware of the distractions that that pull you away from that purpose. I also think with this, like I don't know. And, and I think it's also, again, it's okay to not know, like I, I can't list, you know, I can't design you the perfect, okay, now it's all, um, if my life is like this, everything is perfect. And I think well, it's I never going to tr- be that way. It's never right, going to be but perfect. It, but it's, right? I think it's still, I, I, for me, it's important to constantly remind me of that because I have the tendency to believe that, that once it, you know, once this, then that, um, it's more like, again, like simplifying what other things are like. I like to um learn really like to learn new things i i just like that these moments of being inspired by something whether it's like this creation process really intrigues me of people creating things um new perspectives that in some way inspire me or or i can learn something from and i think that's that's almost everything in some in some capacity and i i like to design things i really in in lots of in lots of ways, whether it's um, spaces or environments or products or just processes, ideas. I just like to play around with ideas, and yeah, it's just to to identify that. And also, I mean, I like I like traveling a lot. Um, I like playing soccer. Like, there's some really it's some basic things that I just just enjoy. And in your to, heart, you, you're a dreamer too, right? Yeah, you you, you enjoy dreaming, and. Again, I think this this, this is something that pe- dreamers um, there there's this external force to turn dreamers into doers and to minimize the dreaming aspect of things, um, just you know from a societal and world perspective. And uh, I could like I'm a dreamer too, so that this is <laughs> I can empathize with with being a dreamer, right, and having ideas and pursuing them um, and that whole process. So. I 100% wanted to talk about poker code, right? If you could give like a 120 second, like what's your why behind poker code? Why should people invest their money into your thing over other things? I think it's important to understand my intention behind it. And so the poker code is basically the question, the number one question by a mile that I've been asked over the last years has been, can you coach me? How can, how can I learn from you? What are the books, you know, like how can I learn X, Y, Z? What are the best books I could, it was like all the same. It was like, how can I learn from you? And 
out of this, I've always thought about how can I share my way of thinking about it that might bring other people inspiration or, or joy or just, you know, help them think about it in a different way. That's, that's kind of the, the first idea. So how can I just as an exercise as well, but also as, um, as something to, to bring other people forward is how can I share what I know in the best possible way? And that's um, how I work together with Matthias on creating the poker code is to really think about how can we condense our knowledge, our thoughts in a course as good as possible to really bring um, not so much the solutions. Like that was really the thing that, that also um, is the feedback of people that ask for it. Like, I think it's a different way of thinking. I think the reason why I became so successful is because I think in logics, not in solutions. I don't care about a solution. I can learn from a solution. It's sometimes interesting um, and it's nice for learning. But the thing I really care about is logic. So I wanted to share my logic and Matthias' logic around how to approach the game because I believe, and that now changes it, a solution helps you only for poker, right? But if you really practice and exercise logic, that helps you for everything. The reason why I can transfer my my experience and knowledge very well into other areas is because I've basically done six years of practice in creating like dissect like dissecting information, creating logics and just improving processes. And you can do that in every other area that you're in. So so this is the first part. And the second part that I've always been pretty vocal about is the community aspect. So I personally believe that relationships are just important. For everything, and the the key math that I've always um, tried to showcase is the reason why we crushed poker as Team Germany, how they'd like to call it, was because what we did was eight people experience ten hours. They filter the ten hours down to half an hour. Weeks change, and you've basically learned eighty hours worth of content in like ten percent of the time. And that's the core, the, the core idea of like, it's so smart to just like, why don't you just exchange knowledge and like connect like, and then that's only the, that's only the knowledge aspect, but also the aspect of you actually um, have people to connect to, you build relationships, you have the emotional backup, you have people you can share, um, bounce back and forth ideas with. And like, that is not one plus one, like equals two, that's like one plus one equals five. and Oh, and it's that, all coming together for me in our pre our pre conversation about connecting to connecting people to create bigger things. Um, I've never actually thought about it that way, but that is you're absolutely right. Like I can have 40 hours of experience, distill it to one hour, have a conversation and give you my 40 hours and you give me your 40 hours and 10 people. And then all of a sudden you, you get all this experience, all these different perspectives, all this knowledge that's applicable moving forward. This is why a tribe of people it is just so, 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 so important. And it's not, it's, it's not a coincidence. It's very logical that that group of y'all, the German crushers, um, ended up 10 of the best poker players that, that are breathing today. And it's not because like, that's the thing also to understand is not that we are 10 absolute geniuses. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, but it's really, it's really important. It's, I mean, if you look at it, I think basically there were some people who dropped out. It's maybe been like 10, 11, 12 people total. 
but like from the people who were in from the beginning to the end, every single one of them became a top hundred, top fifty poker player worldwide. Like it's not it's not just a bunch of geniuses who like made it like who would have made it anyway. We started with almost zero. We all like we probably made a hundred, hundred and fifty million combined. Like it's it was just inevitable because we 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 made a multiplayer game out of a single player game, not by cheating, but by just exchanging the knowledge we gained. And through that you just multiply your your progress over and over and over again and you just you just speed by everyone else. So for people looking for a poker life hack, uh poker growth hack, that's it. I mean, this is the, the most actionable growth hack you can get. Um and in so- anything. Yeah, like learn learn from other people and share your experience openly. Number one, learning <laughs> and working under the assumption that you know y'all aren't just ten poker geniuses that were so randomly became friends with each other and then crushed the poker world, right? Like you know, there there's actual logic behind it. My journey looks looks similar too in that I had a friend. I we talked with each other. We grew exponentially just from having those discussions, right? Like it's very logical and makes complete sense. And I, I, I'm not saying we were like, I'm not saying we were um, a random selection of people. Obviously um, there was some type of pre-selection and like it was already people who were probably more likely to be successful, but not in the sense of we would have been successful no matter what. It was more like in that constellation, I believe so, but alone, Probably not. Right. So, in that formation. So the combination right. is the thing that, that makes the difference. I would say that you had the potential to be successful, but if you're 10 people sure. born 10 places across the map and you're all isolated on your own poker journeys, it's almost, it's very improbable that you would have, that, that you know, you'd be in the top thousand poker players, for instance. Yeah, most likely, yeah. Okay. Um, final question. Where can the Chasing Poker Greatness audience find you on the interwebs? I mean, pretty easy. Just Google me, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram, I post quite a bit. Not so much about poker anymore, but still quite a bit. Um, the best is actually, like, the, the part I'm most active about poker is Poker Code. So, pokercode.com. If you're part of the, like, if you buy the product, you're part of the community. I'm in there in Slack. We chat basically on a daily basis with the people in there they ask about hand histories and it's it's pretty fun and there's um a lot of things to come there so if you're interested i'd be happy to have you guys on board do you think there's the the value is the same as far as like a slack group a discord group and then like the immersive process of living with people um i don't think it's the same but i think it's like it can be very, um, it can work very well in harmony. Like there's like, there's certain things like this group, like for example, I did that too. I had different groups of people that I engaged in different ways, right? Like the people that I lived with basically were people more on my skill level or around my skill level. And then there were also forums where I talked to people who were way better than me um or maybe on Skype so it's i think establishing these different type of communication channels was like i'm not saying like do only poker code i think it's a great way to get input from players that are potentially way better than you and connect with some that are on the same level and then form groups of people who are 
on the same journey and like go hard with them. And then it all ties back in because you get the information from poker code. You have a roommate, you share that with them. You, you know, they get exactly. information from somewhere else. They share it with you and then boom, 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 boom. The progression. Boom, 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 boom. All right, my man. Thank you very much for your time, for your energy. I, I'm extremely grateful. Can't wait to share this with everybody. Take care. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please take a moment to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. And once again, I wanted to let you know about PKC Poker. If you're on the lookout for a new poker platform where the games are safe and secure and the action's amazing, head to EnhanceYourEdge.com slash PKCPod to get your code and jump into the games. You must have a code to play as well as be 21 years of age or older. One final time, that's EnhanceYourEdge.com slash PKCPod. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time on Chasing Poker Greatness.